Hey, and welcome to Corporate Theology. I'm your host, Chase Davis. I am coming to you on a Friday afternoon, no matter where you're listening to this on either the podcast or YouTube. Coming off a great week on a staff retreat. Uh, we do an annual staff retreat at our church where we uh, head to the mountains together and spend time exploring, uh, eating, praying, just spending time in a lot of fellowship. And so it's been a great, great week. Um, kind of wrapped up some work today. And I like to record on Fridays just because it's uh, kind of the end of the week. A lot of things have been stewing. And and one of the things I like to uh, kind of reflect on, pray about often is the topic of suffering and persecution. This is something that's come up a lot. I mean, it's relevant for a lot of people's lives, or at least it's something that people have been considering um, in light of church shutdowns and restrictions and all that kind of thing. Uh, but I've been considering it for a long, long time. Um, it's it's a complex topic, the idea of suffering. And it touches on a lot of different issues. It, it touches people's real lives, uh, what they go through. I've heard one pastor say, everyone's either going into suffering and suffering or coming out of a season of suffering. And I found that to be uh, fairly accurate. In a place where I minister like Boulder, it can seem less true. Uh, it can seem like there's less suffering, but a lot of times in, in wealthier contexts, people are just better at hiding it uh, behind the scenes, behind closed doors. Um, same, same thing happens in suburbia where people can just kind of pull in a garage, shut the door and, and pretend like everything is good. Um, and so it's suffering also deals with the topic of the problem of evil, why God allows suffering. Uh, this has been something I've, whether you call, I would call myself melancholy or, or something else. Suffering is fascinating to me, uh, not in some kind of sadistic sense, but but in a sense that the Bible touches on suffering over and over and over again in the New Testament. Um, I've, I've heard, uh, I recently heard, I think it was Andrew Beecham, if that's how you say his name, tweet out uh, this idea with suffering that if you want to learn how to uh, suffer well, you should study the patristics. You should study the early church. And if you want to learn how to uh, prevent suffering, you should study the medieval period and, and the uh, the reformers. Um and then if you really want to know how to endure suffering and really systematize uh, freedom and and fight back against persecution, um, study the Puritans and, and, and those guys that came over and formed, uh, formed uh, a new nation. Um, but I think suffering really plays into, suffering and persecution play into a lot of different variables. They, they tend to reveal what we believe about God and ourselves and about others. And then that way, suffering acts as kind of this purifying fire where it reveals what's in our heart. It reveals what we're about. Um, growing up in the church, persecution was something that was confusing to me. Um, sometimes it was taught as if if you're not facing persecution, somehow you're doing something wrong, as if you should pursue suffering and persecution as an end in of itself. Um, I always found that to be odd because um, it's easy to go find somebody to hate you. Uh, it's not that hard, especially nowadays, to say something controversial to where people will uh, look down on you and despise you. And so that to me didn't really resonate with uh, with me or the biblical text, as, as I found out later. Um, but I, I'd love to share kind of some thoughts I've been chewing on as it relates to suffering. I, I've titled this episode, Suffering is Not Good. Um, it's a little provocative, mainly because I think for a lot of Christians, for a lot of people, um, we act as if suffering is a good in and of itself. Um, that's not to say it can't be used for good, but it's to say that, look, in and of itself, people suffering persecution, people suffering in general, the ails of life, 
uh, it's not a inherently good thing to suffer. Um, suffering deals with persecution, holiness. These are different categories, but they overlap. Uh, one of the best books I've read on this is Suffering in the Problem or the Problem of Evil, um, or actually it's Suffering in the Goodness of God. And it just it's really honest with the lives of real people, how they deal with suffering and that kind of thing. Um, and so I got a few points I just want to cover briefly. Um, this is probably not the only episode I'm going to touch on this topic just because I, I, uh, I think about this a lot. I think about it when current events happen, where I see people suffering, when I minister to people who are suffering, when I myself suffer, uh, when I read Psalms and, and other uh, verses in the Bible that talk about persecution and suffering. It's something I think about a lot. And so um, the first point I want to want to make is that suffering should not be pursued. Uh, <clears throat> it's not something that if you were looking to grow in holiness, you shouldn't be looking to suffer. Uh, you can you can enter into kind of voluntary suffering in the form of fasting. You can put yourself in a position where your body will feel frail, where you will uh, butt, butt up against your limitations, and that can be an opportunity to commune with God. But suffering just for the sake of suffering is a masochistic pursuit. And a lot of pietistic people, they tend to pursue suffering as kind of this self-flagellation. Self-flagellation, when I say that, is like uh, where the monks or other religious people would punish their bodies with whips. Um, and I, I feel like a lot of evangelical Christians view holiness as a type of self-flagellation where uh, they must suffer in order to be pleasing to God. Now, we'll talk about that in a bit, what what Jesus actually said about that. But suffering in itself is not something that that Christians should look to in as some sort of morally good thing. It's It's bad when people suffer. Now, at the end, we're going to talk about also what is suffering. I think that's important because a lot of people think they're suffering when they may not be. And so we need to talk about um, what I would call from a from a Framian perspective, from a, a triperspectival uh, perspective, the existential uh, perspective when it comes to suffering, how we ourselves process our own lives. Uh, we can sometimes misconstrue suffering. But the first point, like I said, is suffering should not be pursued. Second, suffering is inevitable not just as a human, but as a Christian. Suffering is inevitable. You will suffer. Life, this side of the fall, will involve suffering. And so on the one hand, all humans will suffer. We will all have setbacks, whether psychological suffering, physical suffering, emotional suffering, spiritual suffering, all sorts of things. We can find healing in Christ from our spiritual suffering. We can find satisfaction in him. But as Christians, we still will experience just general suffering and then specific persecution and suffering as we are Christians. And so the idea that we can just avoid suffering or somehow we can uh, practice some kind of Buddhist, Gnostic, uh, I don't experience pain, I'm going to avoid pain. That's more of a modern notion of, of pietism where it's like, well, I, you know, when I suffer, I'm happy. And it's like, well, that's, I mean, the Bible says count it all joy. It doesn't say put a smile on your face when somebody beats you. Um, that's that's a strange way uh, to understand human experience and, and spirituality. Um, so suffering is inevitable, not just as a human, but as a Christian. And so there's an overlap there when we as Christians show what's how we should suffer well, what suffering is about. Um, we have an opportunity to almost use it as an apologetic 
because it connects so deeply with all people. All people suffer under the weight of sin until Christ returns. Um, we'll, we'll all experience that. Um, third point is that suffering is redeemable. And I want to go to Romans 3, 3 through 5 for this. Romans, And this is also uh, reiterated in James, um, which typically those two books are held in tension in the Bible. But I think in this place, they harmonize really well. So Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Now, there's a lot in that passage. I think the big idea of, of kind of that section, as it relates to the topic at hand, is that suffering has other goals in mind than just suffering. When God allows us to suffer, he doesn't want us to just feel bad or experience pain. He actually has in mind our endurance and that uh, endurance producing character and that character producing hope. So hope is actually a byproduct and end result of God allowing us to suffer. And so suffering well should be a character building experience. Um, is this where we kind of get into persevering and suffering as a sign of our connection and union with Christ? So when we suffer well, um, when we experience suffering and we don't walk away from Christ, it is a sign that we know Christ because Christ promised us that the world would hate us. I think many Christians are are very disillusioned with that reality. We've we've uh, we were accustomed to Christianity holding uh, high social credit for us, that Christianity would be seen as good, and now we're moving into a world where Christianity is seen as a negative. And so all of a sudden we're having to reevaluate our relationship with Christ because we're suffering, maybe maybe not in a physical sense just yet. Uh, we're suffering socially uh, because we're no longer held in high regard as Christians uh, for our historic beliefs. And so now we're, we're having an opportunity to examine what we believe, our relationship with Christ, and what that means. And so I think that man, the Bible teaches that persevering in suffering is a sign of connection to Christ. This is a really important thing because he said we would share in his sufferings. And if they treated Jesus Christ poorly, then poorly would be an understatement. If they treated him poorly, how how else do you expect us to be treated is the way he taught it. Uh, they're not going to treat us better than him. And that's why almost all of the early uh, apostles were either outcast. Uh, the legend is that Peter was crucified upside down. James was beheaded. Uh, John was sent to an island. And so if, if they treated those Christians that way, do you think the world is going to look at us any different? Uh, and that persevering in suffering is a sign of connection to Christ. And so it's a great opportunity for hope, is what Paul's saying in Romans 5. Um, suffering, so let's talk about suffering um, kind of in categories. Um, I remember in one church service, there was kind of this chart <laughs> with degrees of suffering and and uh you know one was like you're suffering physically for your you're you're jailed for your faith you're beaten for your faith and on the other hand is like you didn't get invited to a certain party because you're a christian and you know that's that's an interesting way you know uh it almost was pitched as like a scorekeeping chart with how much you've suffered uh like a, some kind of buzzfeed quiz for for christians and suffering i think that's a little little trite um but I want to talk about the existential and, and kind of the normative and the uh, the situational. 
uh, when it comes to suffering. And what I mean by that is that suffering for some people, uh, they can go through the same event and one person can walk through that event and not experience uh, really a negative perception of the event. Um, and then another person can experience a very similar or walk through the same event and their perception can be very negative, uh, such that they would they would say they have suffered uh, because of it. Um, the way that we are uh, rightly to perceive suffering, though, is contingent on God's word. For most of uh, our modern age, where the, the existential perspective, the kind of internal self-identification, expressive individualism, we are the sole determiners of what is what can be qualified as suffering. And so you have the reduction of suffering, not, not tethered to God's moral law or God's word in terms of what is good and bad, um, but suffering becomes this internal uh, postmodern understanding of when I feel bad, I am suffering. And this is very problematic, and I'm, I'm borrowing their word there. This is very problematic because when we devoid suffering from some standard of moral goodness, when we, when we have no normative perspective and all we have is the existential, then suffering becomes a super category where if, I'm, if you say something that offends me, well, then all of a sudden I'm suffering. And so I think Christians really have to get it out of our system uh, in a in a really important way that just because we feel like somebody mistreated us or just because we don't like and don't feel a certain way about something, that doesn't necessarily mean we are suffering. We may be, but I think when we do what the world is doing in terms of calling any kind of psycho perceived psychological harm as suffering, where you've got safe spaces and those kind of things, I think when we give into that, uh, we are we are just mimicking the world. We're not following God's word, and I think that's a really dangerous place to be. And I see this over and over again. I've I've done this uh, to be to be quite honest. I've I've done this where I've championed anything that would stop me from being me. In quotes, me uh, would be uh, a form of persecution, and that's just a really ungodly way to approach life and it creates martyrs out of just normal life situations. So we have a whole uh, kind of education industry that's really geared towards making you the best version of you. We have a lot of self-help. We have self-actualization. We have expressive individualism. We have all these things in order to minimize suffering because comfort and the reduction of suffering is seen as the highest good. Um, I was actually at a panel discussion between vegans uh, and these were hardcore vegans, not like your, your trendy vegans. And, uh, and Catholic priests who were anti-abortion, pro-life. And they actually had common ground on the issue of abortion because both the vegans and the uh, Catholic priest uh, could agree that abortion was wrong. The vegans, however, were coming at it in that any form of suffering is the highest form of evil. And so to inflict suffering on another embodied being whether animal, human, or whatever, is to be evil. And so this is a very complicated topic in our day because suffering, any form of the infliction of suffering, uh, the reduction of comfort, is seen as persecution. 
And so we have people that are so wildly confused whenever they experience a setback, whenever they experience resistance, when someone tells them no, uh, they, they all of a sudden feel that they're a martyr for their own identity. Uh, this is, this is real pervasive in our society. And it's a real problem when it comes in the church, because when you look at God's word and when you go to God's word and it teaches us right and wrong, uh, God teaches us a certain way to live. We're trying to follow Christ together. Um, then all of a sudden we have the normative perspective coming way down on us and show us how to live rightly. And then you get either a Bible study or a, uh, uh, a sermon or or anything like that, a, a seminary classroom. And the Bible says, this is how things are and how they should be. And you're like, I don't like that. Well, you, because we are modern people, as soon as we feel the Bible contradicts who we feel we were made to be, we view ourselves as suffering oppression. And so that's uh, that's a really unhelpful approach to reading God's Word. Instead, what we're supposed to do is let God's Word read us and shape us and form us and submit our lives to God's Word. And instead, what I see is a lot of people who I myself have been guilty of this. We look at God's Word and we go, I don't like that. Well, if you're a Christian, when we say, I don't like that to God, uh, that's not where we stop. We go, God, I don't like that and I want to change. Uh, we go to God and we say, I want to change. I want to grow. And I want to understand what this is about. I know that that you're God and I'm not. So please help me understand uh, what's going on. I think part of this comes down to an article that Kevin DeYoung recently wrote called uh, About Suffering. And particularly, it was a, another passage in Romans, uh, Romans 12, 15, uh, 12, 15. Um, so this is a section of Romans where he's he's already gone through a lot of theology. Romans is one of my favorite books in the Bible. Um He's already gone through a lot of theology, 9 through 11. He's gone through the relationship of Israel and the church and predestination and very complex topics. And then he transitions in 12 to more uh, application-based uh, writings. And this is typical in Paul's letters. At the end, he'll get into more of the either household codes or, or other ethical standards for Christians. And so uh, Romans 12, 15, um, he's actually talking about a lot of different things. Um uh, right there in 14, it says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Uh, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another, do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly, never be wise in your own sight. So these are a lot of like wisdom-ish types of sayings. They're almost proverbial in the way he fires them off. I've actually, this was one of the uh, passages I had to preach in seminary uh, to prepare for uh, for being a preacher. Um but I really want to focus on 12.15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. The reason we know it's wisdom and not law is because uh, it's a principle. We wouldn't rejoice with those who rejoice if somebody did something evil and was rejoicing. And that's what Kevin DeYoung in his article in the Gospel Coalition made the point of. Just because someone's rejoicing doesn't mean we should rejoice with them. As long as they're rejoicing over good and godly things, yes, rejoice with them. But if somebody's rejoicing because they just killed their baby or because they uh, committed adultery, they're rejoicing or because they're doing a sinful thing, they're rejoicing or because, uh, you know, because they attacked, attacked you. Now they're rejoicing. Now you're supposed to rejoice. That is a that's a psychologically manipulative way to use that verse. And the second half is just as potent. Weep with those who weep. Well, in our day and age, because of expressive individualism, um, there's a lot of weeping going on. And there's a lot of perceived suffering going on. 
And so a lot of Christians are being held captive to ideologies, to perspectives, to to approaches to suffering, uh, because they've used this verse in a binding way on other Christians. And they're saying, well, they're weeping, therefore they must be right. And so uh, I think De Young's one of De Young's lines is, uh, is suffering is not sovereign. Suffering is not sovereign. It's a really important thing to keep in mind that when we feel like we're suffering, that doesn't necessarily mean we are. We're to go to God's word and go to God and go to community. Sometimes we're just we're just sensitive people, and somebody said something that rubbed us the wrong way. That doesn't necessarily mean it was morally wrong. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean we're suffering. We should really, uh, like we can have a broad understanding of suffering without giving in to a modern or postmodern understanding of suffering where anybody who would thwart your self-expression is oppressing you and, and making you suffer. That's a really unhelpful way to, and it's a warped view of God's world, um, but it's an unhelpful way to engage other Christians. And so what do you do? I think there's two things at the end here I want to talk about. What do you do? One, if you're experiencing someone who's like, boy, they're, they're not really suffering, but they sure are acting like they are. Um, and the second is sharing a story. And I think I'm actually going to reverse those. Um, yeah. I want to reverse those because I think a lot of my life, um, if you had looked at my life, man, you would not think that it was a very uh, suffering life. I have lived a very cush life. I've been very blessed, uh, privileged, as they say. And so with that said, though, I perceive myself as suffering a lot. There was a lot of, um, I think I can say this dysfunction uh, growing up relationally. And so for a long time, I perceived uh, the the relational dysfunction I experienced as kind of this, oh my gosh, what was me? And my teenage years, God ministered to me in powerful ways. Uh, even though I was uh, very much overreacting. I didn't know what to do with my own emotional world. I didn't know, and this is common for most people, it's not just me, but didn't know how to handle um, my my relationship with my father and my mother. Um, didn't know how to to grow up and be a man. And that that confusion, that emotional um, and psychological confusion, was a version of suffering. Now, what I did with that suffering uh, is unhelpful in some ways. I one, I went to God, so that's a very good thing to do. Well, that's not the only thing I did. In some ways, it metastasized into a lot of bitterness and uh, self-loathing and uh, and insecurity in my own uh, giftedness or in my own manhood or anything like that. And so the reason I talk about suffering being so complex is because we can take suffer something where we're legitimately suffering either relational harm, relational dysfunction, uh, physical pain. And on the one hand, we can do good things with it. We can go to God with it. We can trust God. But on the other hand, we're so complex that we can still allow those things to take root and do things in us relationally that that ultimately aren't godly, but just pragmatically, they're not helpful long-term. And so they produce these kind of, uh, I'll just call them tumors, uh, where they're just going to grow and and be a problem for you later if you don't really have a good biblical understanding. A lot of times this happens because we just feel alone. We just feel alone in our suffering. So we don't have someone to talk to. Someone doesn't understand us. And man, if uh, misunder being misunderstood was like my uh, my character trait when I was a teenager. And so I, I led myself into a lot of places where I felt alone, even though I wasn't alone. Uh, and I had people around me where 
where uh, who were caring for me and, and trying to know me and trying to help me. Um, but God really led me through that time, uh, and a lot of people through times like that, in order to grow us up, in order to trust Him more. Um, the second thing I want to deal with is is related to that. How would I have dealt with myself? Um, how how should you deal with somebody who is claiming to to be suffering um, if they're really not? If if we we look at God's word and we use God's standards and we say, hey, like you may be offended, you may not like what somebody's doing. You may not like what somebody said. That's all fine. Like you're allowed to not like stuff, but to claim that somebody is uh, psychologically harming you, to claim harm because somebody said something you don't like, that doesn't mean you're suffering. Um, so how should we deal with people? We should deal with them truthfully. We sp- should speak the truth in love. I don't think uh, I don't think it's helpful long term to dance around someone who's pretending to suffer. I do think it's helpful to be sympathetic where we can, to try to build bridges where we can, to try to gain an audience where we can. But I think that by and large, we are uh, giving away a lot of cultural weight, power, ground to uh, to people who claim to be suffering when they may not actually be suffering. People who claim to be suffering when they may not actually be suffering are holding a lot of people hostage um, and I'm talking about all sorts of ways from, from, uh, from gender to, uh, to sexuality, to race, to, to all the ways that, that people are dividing and conquering and, and really pitting people against one another. Um, there are real grievances. There are real sufferings. There's ways that the church has even been complicit in some of those. However, I don't think that the wisest approach to that uh, kind of engagement of society is is uh, is to simply kind of give people over to their perceived suffering. I think it's very important to speak the truth in love. And so that's why I think Kevin DeYoung saying suffering is not sovereign is so helpful. It's just something for all of us to keep in mind that when we feel sad, that doesn't necessarily mean we're suffering. It just means maybe I'm just feeling sad. Um, and so suffering is complex, suffering and persecution. I think we're going to have to, as Christians, if you're a Christian listening, I think we're going to have to really double down on our understanding of what persecution is. Um, I think in a lot of ways we shame one another too much because we go, this isn't real persecution. Well, you know, uh, it, it's it's suffering to not be able to meet together. Uh, online uh, connection is not the same as physical connection. And so there is a form of suffering. I don't think it's helpful necessarily, especially when it's real persecution. I don't think it's helpful to shame Christians in America because well you're not you're not getting beaten with rods therefore it's not real persecution well i don't want to relativize all persecution but gosh that doesn't seem like the best way to think about how we should persevere in persecution how we should prevent persecution i think preventing persecution is a good thing that we should prevent uh, other people suffering i think that's a really good thing um and so i think it takes a lot of wisdom but it also takes a lot of bible and we're going to have to grow up in a lot of ways in how we deal with suffering as Christians, as the church, uh, to, to really endure, to build character, to build hope, because uh, we need hopeful communities that will last um, and not just capitulate to anyone that claims to be suffering. So um, this is just touching the iceberg on this topic. I could talk about it for a long time. Um, I realize some of the stuff may may seem calloused. Um, that's not my intention. It's just I, I like to speak plainly on these things. And, um, and I think there's a time to be sympathetic and understanding and weep with those who weep. 
Um, but I do think that that a lot of our society is held captive to those who who weep and uh, and maybe weeping over things that they shouldn't be weeping over. So um, go ahead and share this podcast with someone else. Give us a review and like. I know I always ask for that, but it really does help people find it. Um, I want this com- this podcast to be somewhat of a conversation starter. So if you think somebody would benefit from listening, uh, send it their way. And um, and really the hope is that people would think more deeply about uh, suffering. If, if you have a question, comment, you can always reach out to me. Um, let me know what you think. Um, maybe I can elaborate on something or you can suggest a topic I cover in another podcast. Uh, but I'm going to keep trying to do these weekly. Uh, hopefully get Owen Anderson on here soon and we'll talk about um, some philosophy. So uh, we will talk to you soon.